Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Quick little homily for this weekend because Deacon Lou, uh, Deacon Lou Promosic, who's been here 15 years, preached at all the masses this morning, and he let everyone know that he's retiring from diaconate ministry. So effective March 1st, he'll no longer be on the staff here at St. Basil's, a real loss, but it enables him to be full-time ministry with uh, I'm In Ministries, the ministry that he started to help those most in need in Cleveland. And him and the bishop had a wonderful conversation, and the bishop said, yes, keep going. And so he's excited to do it, uh, but it was certainly with some tears that he said goodbye to the St. Basil's community. Still lives in Brecksville. We'll probably see him still on an occasion. But as far as being on staff here as a deacon, he has requested uh, early retirement, and the, de- uh, the bishop did uh, acknowledge that, just so you know. So I just have a few thoughts for us tonight. These passages almost make no sense if you don't understand what God's plan is for humanity. What I mean is, is if someone said, hey, what are the readings about? We'd kind of say something like this. Oh, Old Testament, leprosy really bad. You got isolated from the community. You had to go everywhere announcing, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And you got segregated from everyone. But then Jesus came, he heals them and everything's okay now. But there's so much more texture and layers to what actually is being revealed. And it comes from the same figure that's in both the Old Testament and in the Gospel. And it's the figure of the priest. In the Old Testament, if you had leprosy, you had to present yourself to the priest. And he would let you know, you cannot join in the temple worship anymore. That's what priests were in charge of at that time. The temple worship. And the priest would say, in fact, you have to go outside of the community so you don't get anyone else sick. And so for a Jewish man or woman to be outside of temple worship was one of the most painful things to conceive of. Why? Because at temple worship is where God was fulfilling his promises. Remember, ever since Genesis chapter 3, humanity was divided. And it kind of reached its apex of the Tower of Babel. But for all times, we had different countries and warring nations. But Israel was God's country, God's nation. And it's through Israel that he was going to bring all of humanity back together. Right? Unity is kind of like a buzzword right now. We all like unity. We're all pepped up on it. All right? So we all want unity all of a sudden as a country. All right? Great. Well, it began long ago. All right, where did disunity happen? Well, not from this president or last president or the president before. This happened all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. But God said, these are my sons and daughters. These are my people. I will be their God and they will be my people. And so he formed Israel to be like a magnet that would join all the countries who responded yes to God's calling. And they'd be gathered in the temple. They would hear the Torah, God's word, his instructions for how to live. And they would gather around the altar in praise and worship of God. What brought people unity wasn't a celebrity, an athlete, or a politician, but God. They gathered around God, not their own egos and ideologies. And that was God's profound work of saying, 
I'm going to bring humanity back together. So you got sick, not even because you sinned, but you had an illness like leprosy. You couldn't participate in the activity of God. So now Jesus is on the scene. What is Jesus? Who is he? He is actually the Torah in flesh. He's God's word, God's plan, God's instructions in flesh. So what's it look like to live out the Torah? Look at Jesus. And he sees this man with leprosy, and he heals him and says, go show yourself to the priest. Why? Because he's affirming the idea that God wants to bring unity about through what we worship. Jesus is affirming that what we worship will either bring about unity or it won't. And so he heals this man to say, I'm interested in bringing everyone into the new Israel, the church. I'm interested in bringing everyone around God's Torah, scriptures. I'm interested in nourishing people in my way of life, the sacraments. I'm interested in helping everyone become one body, the Christ, and to discover that they are all sons and daughters and God is their father. And so it's always going to be the case. What happens in the Old Testament is impartial and imperfect, but it's perfected and brought to completion in Jesus. And then he gives the church, the Holy Spirit, you and me, to continue the mission, to continue to gather people around his altar. Notice how when we're here, we're united in song, right? We aren't like a mosque where men and women are separated. There's not an elite group like, oh, you're doctors and lawyers, you get up front. You're a janitor, you're in the back. No. In fact, the famous author, James Joyce, said every time that stand outside of Mass, here comes everybody. Rich, poor, educated, uneducated, black, white, Democrat, Republican, CNN watcher, Fox watcher. Everyone uncomfortable now? Everyone was invited. Everyone was invited to worship Jesus, to be nourished by him, and to become him as they get sent back out into the world. And so what happens at every worship is part of us dies. There's a part of you that's meant to die tonight. It's your judgments, your way, the way you think other people should act, the way you think life should be, your will, your way, your timing. That's meant to die on the altar. And what's meant to fill that place inside of you is Christ's way, Christ's will, Christ's timing. And for some of us, that's going to be very, very painful. And for others of us, it's very, very joyful, depending where you are and what you feel you may need to die to today. But for Christians, death is never annihilation. It's transformation. So what we die to gets transformed into the resurrection. And that's what we celebrate every day at every Mass on the altar. The death and resurrection of Jesus. But if the only thing that changes is bread and wine, why are we here? That's transformed and then we consume it so that we are transformed and we become Him for the world. What does that mean? That we would then go out and bring those who have been separated from this community back. Do you have friends and family who go out to eat at Creekside, who go out 
to go for walks, go to family parties, but they still haven't been back to church yet? Jesus is going to ask you, did you invite them back? Well, I don't want to cause a problem. Well, I don't know that the problem, the problem's already happening. Right? Do you have friends at school, right? Or other people who absolutely don't even believe in God, who think Jesus and God, that's crazy, antiquated, the Catholic Church is out of touch. Have you at least said, do you want to talk about it? Or said, hey, what do you really disagree with? There's a priest, I think it's in Alabama, he instructed his parishioners for one year to simply ask five people, have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? That year at their Easter vigil, they brought in 30 people into the Catholic Church. Simple question, have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? 30 people came in. If you don't think that made Jesus cry with joy, that his mission of bringing humanity around the altar, oh man, that church was blessed that year. One final note. This is actually why we have confession. So often, why do we go to confession? Because we feel guilty. Yeah, that's a great, we should feel guilty when we do something bad. We should never get rid of guilt. Guilt is good if we did something bad. All right? It's the way of our conscience telling us, saying, hey, go the other direction. Don't do that again. Oh, good. All right. But that's not the real, maybe the most beautiful part of confession. Confession is there so that when we come to Mass, we experience the power of the Eucharist. These two sacraments rise and fall together. St. Philip Neri was a priest in Rome and he's had all these people who weren't going to Mass, and when they were, no one was becoming holy, and it was bothering him. And he started preaching on the importance of confession before you go to Mass. And they said that people began to be more generous to the poor. They began to pray for longer periods of time. Marriages were renewed. Confession isn't the penalty box. Confession is the healing place so that when you come to Mass, you can participate in the worship of angels and saints as we look upon the face of God. And then when you're given the Eucharist, you're transformed and given love, mercy, power, truth, goodness, and grace. These sacraments rise and fall together. And so tonight, there's about 70 of you in this church tonight. 70 of you have felt the promptings and have been drawn by the magnetic power of the new Israel, the church. You will be worshiping the Father with angels and saints in just a moment as the power of God descends upon the altar and transforms stupid little bread and wine into God himself. And then you will come forward and be nourished on him. And he will animate in you and move you to every grace. There's not one grace you need from God that is not given in the Eucharist. Every grace, every blessing is contained in the Eucharist. Now, you and I may not be prepared due to a lack of confession or a lack of vulnerability or a lack of faith to receive all the power. But the more and more vulnerable, the more and more we accept our dependency on the Lord, the more powerful the Eucharist will be. And the more you and I will shine like Mother Teresa, like John Paul II, like Francis of Assisi, like Catherine of Siena, we will become the light 
for the darkness. And more people will say, what's with you? And you'll say, you got to come to the altar of God. He's been planning it since Israel. Jesus has perfected it. And now we have what you're looking for. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.